Hi, this is Rabbi Jim Egolf. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. This week, um, I'm going to take a little bit of time to talk about Parshat Shemot, but also to focus very much on probably what's on the minds of a lot of people at this time in our national conversation, which is the events that happened in Sandy Hook Elementary School and um, the issues and maybe some of the issues we need to think about in terms of our own processing of this tragedy. I'd love to hear what you think, though. You can always email me at victor J-I-M, at AOL.com, or you can call me at 610-624-3441. I'd love to hear from you. Shalom. I sat in the living room of a congregant on Erev Rosh Hashanah, 1997. You know, normally rabbis are busy preparing for services that would ha- that will transpire during that evening, but I, I sat with Charles, and the silence between us just screamed with the pain of that day. The day had begun normal enough. Charles, a retired lieutenant colonel, Air Force, recalled his service in Vietnam when he would be catapulted off the end of an aircraft carrier and fly missions in that war in which we were involved. He mentioned the fear of the plane diving into the ocean. We talked about other servicemen who he had lost under his command, but that day was different. Charles had gone to Pearl High School in Mississippi, where he taught junior ROTC. And that day, two of his students died in his arms as he desperately struggled to administer CPR. Now we both searched for something to say. And we both kind of knew that to utter words and try to make meaning regarding this day would probably be more profane than holy. The words, who shall live and who shall die, well, that's what Charles had lived that day. Ever since then, when there was a shooting, I returned to that day. That moment, and I remember Charles and his wife in that afternoon where we felt so empty. So when the events of Sandy Hook Elementary School occurred a few weeks ago, I was back in that living room. We were all affected by what happened in that place, yet I am struck by the moments where we have seen such brutality before in a world, in a world, or a ruler. And, at least in the case of one ruler, he didn't just ignore it, actually more than one ruler, they didn't just ignore it, they actually blessed it. When we look at the cruelty of the perpetrator of these murders, we see a glimpse of Pharaoh, a flash of Amalek, a shadow of Hitler. It was Pharaoh who, in Parshat Shemot, orders that all the Hebrew infant sons be thrown into the Nile. Forget the moment of having a chance to go to school. This was a brutal and heartless decree by a king who could condone murder of innocence as part of public policy. Amalek, not so widely known, was the people who sought to attack the Israelites from the rear. 
to attack Israel not on the field of battle, rather to attack the children and the elderly. And so when we see the tragedy of a Sandy Hook, we are devastated. Yet this episode is a window into the suffering that many peoples, not just Jews, have suffered throughout human history. Now we have seen this face of evil in Sandy Hook. Or in the face of the murderer who gunned down the two firefighters in Webster, New York. And we ask, what do we do? I think that the first most difficult moment is that we have to learn how to refrain from doing. In my opinion, we are a culture who is too ready to believe that doing something, anything, is better than learning how to sit in shock or awe or in pain or just speechlessness and learn that these two are sacred responses. While I see the moves for gun control, to me, and we'll get there at some point, but to me it felt as if the anger against guns sought to supplant the shock we needed to experience before moving on. In the stages of grief, one of the first is denial. It's actually coming to terms with the event that has just transpired. It's the second stage of grief, which we call anger. However, on the day that the tragedy occurred, the calls came out on that day to act, to do something, before we had a chance just to absorb this tragic moment. So one of the things that I often observe when working with families who have experienced a death is that a family member or two will begin to focus on what I call stuff. They'll focus on the travel arrangements. They'll focus on the food, the napkins, the chairs, the, you can fill in the blank. They will focus on anything if it interrupts dealing with and learning what life will be like without the presence of their loved one. Yes, we need to look at having a sane policy in our country when it comes to the kinds of weapons available to those who seek to carry out their Second Amendment rights. Perhaps we will find some of those original meaning Supreme Court justices who might remember that when the Constitution was drafted, the right to keep and bear arms meant muskets. But this discussion did not need to happen on December the 14th while parents sat hearing the news no parent wants to hear. We need to learn that every pain we experience does not need to be met by an equal or greater anger, especially as the first response. So I want you to learn how to do. The second what have you personally done? Have you made a donation to the Sandy Hook School Support Fund at the Newtown Savings Bank or other fund to make a difference for the families and the communities? How about contributing to the Firefighters Fund of Webster, New York? You, you see, I believe that after we see such moments that devastate us and make us pause and wonder about the world we live in, we need to do something when we're ready. If we don't, 
we allow ourselves to be like the Egyptians who felt it was really awful for the king to treat the Israelites this way, but didn't do anything. Of those who did do something, Shifra and Puah, they were the midwives who decided to not follow Pharaoh's decree because they felt that following it was worse than any punishment they might incur and their actions saved children from being thrown into the Nile. They put themselves at risk, like those teachers in Sandy Hook Elementary School. And when we forget them, whether it be the midwives or the teachers, we forget that there is something in our world called courage. It is courage in both episodes that allows someone to act based on what is right rather than what is most convenient or what we keep the most fear furthest away. So as we go through these weeks following these shootings, I want to share that not having an answer, not having an immediate response, immediate to do, that's absolutely okay. It takes time to process what an event like this means. And even when it happened 15 years ago, I still process the pain of that day. Yet we live in a world that treats pain as if it's a sin or a curse and often seeks to meet that pain with anger. This is a strategy. And in truth, anger can protect us for a while. But when it becomes the only response or it comes too quickly, it keeps us from learning how to grow and be exposed to the pain we experience. We could begin to run from pain rather than sit with it and allow it to teach us some lessons about life. When you're ready, do something with regards to these tragedies. Make a donation, write a letter, send it. Be careful not to allow your response to be a non-response. We humans, we make meaning from our pain. As Jews, we have made holidays to add meaning to the pain we either suffered or feared. Purim, Passover, Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Memorial Day, Yom HaZicharon, Israeli Memorial Day. All of them are days where we formally acknowledge losses and fears. But we don't keep eating matzah or hamantashen forever. We don't continue to stand silently, as is in the case of Yom HaShoah and Yom Kippur, and just remain silent. We learn to live again. Choose life that you and your children may live. Some of our greatest holidays are a reminder that returning to life means first acknowledging that there could have been a different end to the story and then picking ourselves up and then continuing to live, to love, and to become. Shalom.